Hey everyone. So thank you again for, for coming on. Thank you again for, it's great to see so much, so many of you as well. I know it's, I used to do these at like the midday, but a lot of people are kind of busy and stuff like that, picking up the kids. So I think it's better to do it late in the evenings. Um, so I know a lot of questions kind of came in. There's how to get better sleep. There's recommend recommendations around alcohol consumption. Uh, I'll, I'll read out the questions in full when I'm kind of going through them. One of the big questions will kind of come in is how to stay away from a chocolate supply in the fridge at work. I think a lot of people are kind of going to be interested to, to hear about that because we're all much nicer people with chocolate in our lives. Uh, and then about how to manage a few days away. Um, any tips on how to deal with DOMS? How important is fiber? And then in relation to do you train when knackered? I think particularly that question kind of alluded to, I think, the menstrual cycle, I think um so um, it, well i'll talk to, to about it as much as i can um with ace um kind of because there are other podcast podcast episodes on it so i'll do as much as i can uh with it so the first question is tips for getting better sleep the person in question is reducing their caffeine is maybe wearing blue light blue light blocking glasses um, so what can happen sometimes is when people are like working really, really late in the evenings, they can struggle to unwind. So obviously, if you reduce your caffeine, it can definitely have a massive, massive impact on your sleep. So caffeine has about a half life of about six hours. So if you have coffee at 12, a- at 12 p.m., it's still in your body at 12 a.m. So if you're drinking it at three or four PM, it's still in your body at 3 or 4 AM. And what caffeine does, it can block your melatonin production, which is your deep sleep. So as we get tired, our melatonin increases. And that puts us into our kind of sleepy mood and sleepy mode. And that puts us to sleep. And then as we kind of wake up in the mornings, our cortisol, which is our stress hormone, that actually increases as our body adjusts from going in a steady state of sleep and a calm state to taking on the world. So when people are waking up and they're completely looking at their phone straight away, it's not great for the stress. So when people are kind of looking to try and improve their sleep and they've all, and they're kind of like, I would start with you're looking at your caffeine reduction. I would normally have a limit of about probably 12 o'clock of when I would actually have my last coffee. Does it happen all the time? No. Uh, I have a really low threshold to caffeine. Like if I go for a coffee in a coffee shop, I'm buzzing afterwards um, and I because it, it, there's quite a lot of caffeine in the coffee bought ones compared to the ones you make at home. There's actually a lot more caffeine in those. So there isn't the normal dosage. Plus, if you're drinking like the likes of Monster or even decaf, that still has caffeine in it. Tea has caffeine in it too, but not as much. So if you want something to come, maybe have something in the evenings to chat out to, probably tea, you could go for chamomile tea, you could go for one of those. But caffeine would probably be the first place I would kind of look at starting and maybe bring it back. Do not go cold turkey because you will get headaches. That is the biggest mistake I see is people are like, I'm never having coffee again. And then they ended up like just shaking everywhere and their headaches are nasty and they're horrible. So if you're on, say, three or four cups of coffee a day, go down to three, go down to two, go down to one, or else bring it down to decaf, switch your fourth to a decaf and go from there. Blue light blocking glasses are really, really useful um some of them can make you look look a bit dodgy but they are really really useful for chilling out too 
Um, if you're working really, really late in the evenings, that could be where the issue lies as well. So maybe your brain won't turn off. So an awful lot of people, when they're going to bed, this is in their hand or their Kindle's in their hand or the laptop's on their table or that the last thing they do is kind of check social media just to see what Karen is doing with her puppies or whatever she's doing. Um, so sometimes we need to kind of check in ourselves and say, All right, how can we actually unwind the brain? Because if the brain can't calm down, you can't calm down. So sometimes when we're struggling with work or work is really busy, your thoughts in your head are like kind of a, a are kind of like a, a widget in a Guinness can. They're kind of rattling around. And people are just telling themselves, oh, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. That's making your sleep worse. Uh, so there's an episode I did with Tom Coleman, who is one of Ireland's leading sleep experts. And he, he speaks about how to kind of navigate that a little bit better than and a lot more detail than I'll ever be able to. But maybe having a little notebook beside your bed. So if your mind's really racing before you go to bed, maybe put getting a little notebook. So something like this could really help. So like something like a little bit of notebook, you can put it into the press, put it into the drawer and just start writing out actually what's going on because most people are actually just creating to-do lists. They're not actually doing anything that's actually of of any use. So they're normally just creating problems. They're kind of reminiscing, they're kind of ruminating on maybe they said something to someone in the office about kind of something about work or was something taken up wrong or whatever it may be or else they're creating to-do lists about worried about kind of what they have to do the next day with work or a deadline or whatever it may be. Um, so it's really, really important to kind of like have a notebook beside you and just write out what your to-do to do list is and then maybe rank those tasks in order. So maybe rank them in order of one to five, one being the most important, five being least important. You'll soon find out that how, least, how little of importance most of your stuff is. Most of it's like, I don't know, I don't know, do the laundry or like that can wait. Have a day of when that does. I know it might not be easy if you have kids and stuff like that when the house just gets really messy, but having a day to do it, if you can outsource it, great, but that might not be possible. But creating a to-do list will help to help to reduce procrastination as well. Um, so tips for better sleep, reduce your caffeine. Blue light blocking glasses can help. Uh, reduction in alcohol because alcohol actually makes you sleep worse and uh, actually blocks melatonin. So it can actually, if you're having, so sometimes when you come home from a big night out from coppers and you just, you're one of those people that falls asleep in the taxi, that's not a deep sleep. That's just uh comatose from alcohol, but it's not a real deep sleep. So you're not actually getting rested. That's why you wake up more wrecked in the morning after a night out, plus the late night. Uh, so plus probably you're having espresso martinis and they're full of caffeine as well. So you're no wonder you're not sleeping. So alcohol, reduction, alcohol, reduction in, in, um, caffeine, blue eye blocking glasses, look at your social media use before your bed, maybe have a cutoff time. There's a really useful app called freedom. So F R E E D O M you can get in your phone that you can use. Uh, you can use it free for seven days. I think it is. And you can block all the apps on your phone that you're not allowed to use after a certain time. So I use this during COVID. Uh, I used to, I was, I, this phone here doesn't leave this room. Uh, this is my work phone and my real phone's here on the floor. Um, but that, that phone is not allowed to leave this room. Um, but freedom will allow you to, if you try to go into Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is after a certain time and you set the times, it will kick you out of the app. 
so you won't be able to go into it at all so it's really really useful um to do that um so freedom is the name of that app there are other ones um and that can really help and then just having a having a wind down routine to kind of chill out to like i know after this it'll take me a while to kind of calm down and chill out so i'll be watching the the football for the next whatever length of time after this so to kind of chill out to and unwind to um if you're exercising really late in the evenings that can also impact your sleep some people prefer the morning some people prefer the evenings um i know on wednesdays i finished football training really really late and it takes me a long long time to kind of unwind so that can kind of just wake you up give you that fresh feeling so sometimes it might not be able to be avoided it might be the only time you get your your training sessions in so yeah there's a few things you can do the biggest thing i would pro- if i was to look at one of those probably reducing your caffeine and maybe just having a little bit of a notebook uh beside you and then maybe having a look at your social media there's a three that i would probably look at and pick one of those to nail for two weeks so maybe get a calendar or I can, there's a thing called a consistency calendar you can just look at any calendar calendar and mark off each day on that calendar with an x and tick off how many days you've actually got in a row of actually what you're going to do so jerry seinfeld the comedian he does that to write jokes so every single day he has to write a new joke and that's what he does in order to keep himself accountable so that's what he does um the next one that came in was recommendations around alcohol consumption i love a glass of wine but no when i don't have it i have better weight loss results is it healthy to consume in moderation each week or would you recommend limiting to special occasions if focused i can go without it and probably will during this block but struggle longer term as tend to use alcohol to to, to decompress from the week so this will this answer might surprise you i don't think anyone should give up alcohol for weight loss because it's never addressing the issues behind it and what i mean by issues is if you're using it as a way to decompress it's probably not the best thing to decompress too it's kind of like using food or drugs or like alcohol is a drug it's not the greatest tool but if you're if alcohol is your only way to socialize or unwind or get through the week it's great to have the odd one it might be your time with your partner to chill out and decompress on a friday or a saturday whatever it may be but I just wouldn't give it up for alcohol. I wouldn't give up alcohol for losing weight because one, you're not going to be able to stick to it. Two, you're going to give up your social life. And majority of people in this group value social interactions, meals out, drinks out with their friends or whatever it may be. So my whole approach with everyone in this group is to try and teach you how to have your nights out, your meals out, and still get your results. And that's why I focus on that weekly calorie average with you. If you focus on the weekly calorie average, like you spend your money, if you overspend all your money in, in one day, you don't go and spend the rest of it for the whole month. You take a little bit of interaction, take a bit of retrospective and perspective, should I say, and say, right, let's, me adjust, let's adjust the budget for the rest of the month and see what we do. So would I, would I recommend having some? Yeah. Um, I would, if you want to have maybe a couple on a Saturday or a couple on a Sunday, yeah, if you're going to end up in coppers every single weekend, your results are going to be slower but it can be done. Um, so moderation is different from everyone. Some people in this group don't drink. Some people do drink, um, but it never really hones in. If you do give it up and for, for weight loss, it's a short-term solution. And if you want lasting results, you're going to need to learn to live with it. And often it's not the, al- like alcohol doesn't cause fat gain. Total, the only, to- only thing that causes fat gain is total amount of calories. And often what happens when people drink is 
they the, the snacks tend to come out so if the snack and when as we drink we tend to lose our inhibitions a, a bit and we struggle to kind of be in be present and we get in the moment all these kind of different things so we might pick that a little bit more so it's often the drink plus the extra food plus the day after that generally is the bit that kind of like stalls things for people i've never seen anyone derail themselves from one night out it's the day after and the day after that that derails people it's never the day of it's never the meal out it's never the night out because everyone here has the power to reset if they choose to but the thing that stops people is that all or nothing mindset that perfection mindset but perfection around food is one surefire way of failing 100% of the time so if you want to perfectly fail use the all or nothing mindset but and food you can't fail it like it's literally impossible like what's better an avocado or a chocolate bar well it depends what are you using it for i'd rather have avocado maybe for a breakfast or in a salad i don't really want to put a chocolate bar into a salad it could be a pretty decent salad with chocolate bar but you know what i'm trying to say it's with what i'm trying to teach you is that it's somewhere in the middle with the extremes everyone has done the extreme diets everyone has done the extreme things everyone has given up alcohol and lost weight for a little bit but as soon as they come back in they don't know how to handle it and if you tell yourself you can't have something imagine what i say to you guys right now don't think of a pink elephant what are you thinking of right now the pink elephant that's exactly what a lot of people do with alcohol and chocolate and food they tell themselves they can't have something they rely on this thing called willpower and motivation and then when life ramps up their mood goes down so then they they beat themselves up because they can't match up to that expectation of perfection and then they blame themselves and self-worth and self-esteem that's that vicious cycle that a lot of people are in but what happens if we actually say right in my daily calories of 16 to 1800 calories or 1800 to 2000 calories i allocate some chocolate in each day or if i have a weekly budget of 2000 calories a day multiply it by seven days that's 14,000 calories in a week allocate some chocolate into each day and that allows you like if you have a chocolate bar say 200 calories like a 10 percent of your total calories are on chocolate and you have 90 percent to nail what most people realize don't realize is it's for successful fat loss for happening to people it isn't about perfection it's not you will fail every time if you aim for perfection if you aim for good enough and find what good enough for you is and live by your values and understand that you can have your nights out and your meals out you'll be a lot like if you're going to give up alcohol you're going to give up an awful lot of your social life i would say your way to communicate with people and see people we gave up that all during COVID, and it wasn't good fun unfortunately if it's if it's alcohol is your only way to deal with stress and or your mental health well then it might not be the best coping mechanism um sometimes people when they're going through that next stage perimenopause and stuff and depression and anxiety can kind of come in alcohol is a depressant so just be careful and don't like please go do and talk go and talk to someone if if that's where you're maybe at but that kind of links in with the the next question is if you if you where is it if you are in the office how to stay away from chocolate supply in the fridge at work in the afternoons when hunger is not the problem sometimes having a bar leads to having two or three bars so i spoke about this in the group with this person it was a great question that kind of came in and what most people will what most people will try to do is i'm being good all day will tend to come into the equation and being good generally means i'm being restrictive 
So they probably haven't eaten enough during the day. And then because they haven't eaten enough during the day, they're stressed, they're anxious, they're more tired, and then mood drops. And then they tend to go for chocolate as a way to pick a meal. That's ten gen, tends to what happen. That's why a lot when you ever notice that when you are start a diet, what's the first thing you try to do? Either start skipping meals or saving calories for the evening. That's what a lot of people will do. I've never really seen it work. Intermittent fasting is great for some people. It's a great way to push out your breakfast, but it's not for everyone. If someone's struggling for consistency, it won't work. So what I would say is, are you having regular meals during the day? Maybe, maybe you're not. Are you completely stressed? If you're stressed, check in on yourself saying, right, have the one bar and see how you feel. Check in on yourself and say, right, what's the next one going to do for me? Most of the time, the next bar won't do shit for you that the first one didn't. And if, this, if the second bar didn't do shit, the third bar is surely not going to do anything. It's numbing a feeling. It's numbing that not feeling safe. But most people are too busy. They're looking at their phones. They're petting their dog. They're going for a walk. They're watching TV all at the same time. But they're not present with food. There's this disconnect. There's this disassociation between them and food. They're not being present with it at all. So people are eating at their desk, trying to type an email to their boss or whatever it may be. And then how can they know when they're full? If you actually shut down your laptop or shut down your computer, turned off the computer, put away your phone, and actually sat with the chocolate, you'd be a lot more aware of what you need. Because if you actually ever taste chocolate and put it onto your tongue, you'll actually taste it. It's actually quite rich, particularly like dairy milks and stuff. They're quite rich. There's a great book if you want to do an experiment called The Joy of Eating Half a Cookie. The Joy of, yeah, Joy of Eating Half a Cookie is an amazing book if you want to get a little bit more in tune with, um, your eating patterns and eating behaviors it's really really useful so check in have you eaten enough have you slept the night before are you stressed eat without distraction would probably be my advice there um because if hunger if you're not hungry maybe get some fruit a great question that i ask myself in the evenings is am i hungry enough for fruit and no one no one wants fruit let's just be honest like no one's hungry enough for fruit Look, let's be honest i don't even want fruit um, and I'm meant to be the nutritionist. So like nobody wants it. So if you're not hungry enough for fruit, there's something else going on. Uh, so just checking yourself. Have you eaten enough? Are you leaving long gaps in your meals? Are you dehydrated? Have you slept? Are you stressed? Or are you trying to numb something else? Okay. So guys, don't be afraid to ask any questions if as they come in. Because um, I know I'm talking an awful lot. And I just want to make sure that I'm not just talking and no one is listening. Um so the next one is, I'll be going away for a few days in a couple of weeks. Any tips on how to track my calories when eating out? So if it's only a couple of days, so I know the, the female follows program, this one is six weeks. Um, so six weeks, seven days in a week, there's 42 days. You're essentially away for three days out of 42 days. So it's not really a huge, massive amount of days out of the whole experience that you're kind of a way that you're going to have a little bit more food, a little bit more drink or whatever it may be. So I really wouldn't worry about it. If you're tracking calories, what can be really useful is multiplying it by 1.5. So why do I say 1.5? There's no evidence to this 1.5 theory that I have. But my fitness pal is only as accurate as the person entering the information into it. And my fitness pal, there are other apps, but my, my fitness pal, the people who fill the database may not be great or have the education to how many calories are in certain foods. If you type in pancake into my fitness pal right now, you will get about a thousand different answers for a pancake. So you're like, how which pancake do I actually go for? I probably 
look at the back of the packet and see which one it is. If there's nothing on the back of the packet, I'll probably go for the highest calorie amount just to be on the safe side. So what happens is my fitness pal has a margin of error of about 20%. So if you think something is a thousand calories, it's probably more than likely 1200 calories. Even the, the, the labels on back packs of food has a margin of error of about 20%. So that's even false. And then you've got human error on top of that. So people, that's why people can struggle to get their head. I'm eating my calories, but I'm still not losing weight. Well, we may not be counting correctly. So what could help some people is if they're out for meals, then what's the chef's number one job? Make the food tasty as hell. It's not to be within the calorie range for Sharon on a diet. So they're going to put loads of butter in. They're going to put loads of different foods into it, and they're going to make it tasty as hell. Um, and so what I would recommend on a meal out, I would enter it in as 1.5 just to be on the safer side. It's not 100% evidence proof at all. It's a theory that I've come up with and it helps people to navigate. It's probably closer to what it is, but it's a lot easier to manage it that way. 1.2, if you find that you're struggling with the counting the calories and myself and Michael uh, will navigate that with you. We may suggest that if nothing is moving, whether with your measurements or your weight for about two or three weeks, we may encourage you to change your tactic with the 1.2, but don't do it without us suggesting it. So if you're out for a few, if you're out for your meals or out for, out for when you're away, really useful tool, aim for three main meals when you're away. Three main meals. If you're out for dinner, pick two out of four. So starter, main, dessert, drink. Pick two out of those four. There's no, if you want to have everything, great. But you need to own it afterwards. That's fine. Like I know I'm going away on Thursday for eight days. My plan is to be cooking the lunch and the breakfast in the self-catering apartment and then going out for the dinner. That's just the way I do holidays. There might be lunches that we go out for, but the whole breakfast will probably be in the, the apartment. It's just easier to do it. And then you get to enjoy the dinners a lot more um, and be a lot more present with it as well. So that can help. So three main meals. If you're out for meals, two out of four can help. Um, maybe having one glass of water with most meals, multiplying the food by 1.5 can help as well. So that's the way I would navigate it. There's a question here uh, related to going away for a few nights. I have a work trip in the culture in Norway. And if you're presented with the plate of food on a menu, any tips for work trips? Um, so with that kind of environment, what I would kind of say to yourself is if it's kind of a platter and it's laid out onto a table, so kind of like it's a kid's birthday party, it's a perfect example that most people would kind of get to. Get a plate of food, put a few bits of pieces onto the plate of food, walk away from it and actually finish that plate first and check in if you actually want more. Am I hungry enough for fruit is a really useful way. If you're still hungry, proceed. If you're not really hungry, check in on yourself, wait 10, 20, 30 minutes. That food's probably going to still be there under the lights and check in on yourself there. That could really help you. Uh, there's Because what happens is, is there's studies done, Joe, whenever you go to a um, an all-you-can-eat buffet, one of the big things that they kind of say when an all-you-can buffet is people start to get competitive. When they can see what everyone else is doing, they get really competitive of like, that person's eating more than me. I'm going to eat more than that person. So a really useful way to do it is sit with your back to the actual food. So it's not on your mind all the time. So you're a little bit more present with who you're chatting with. So get a plate of food, 
see how you feel after the first place. If you want a second plate, go for it. Just check in yourself. You can't fail it. If you have two or three plates and that's what you want to have, go for it. But it's it's up to you um, on that. Um, any tips for dealing with DOMS? I know walking the day after does help, but any tips to help ease them? I won't be shuddering when moving into heavier weights. So generally what happens with DOMS? So DOMS means delayed onset muscle soreness. Okay. We know that feeling. You're, you're new to the gym. You're new to training. You train the first day. You can't even scratch your head. And then you try to walk the stairs and you fall over. Or I will always remember one of my very first clients, she broke the toilet seat because her legs gave way when she tried to sit down. I felt so, I had to laugh at her, but it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, she broke the toilet seat. Um, so DOMS are normal if you haven't trained in a while, particularly if you've got a new program because you may be using muscles that you haven't used before. So that tends to ease after the first week. If there's always DOMS after every single session, it means you're not recovering enough. You're either not getting sleep, you're not getting enough protein, you're not having creatine, you're completely stressed off your health. But most people, it's very hard to overtrain. It's very easy to under-recover. Most people treat their phones better than themselves. That's the unfortunate reality. So if you're if you have DOMS, walking can help, as that person has said. Try to get regular feedings of protein. Protein help is the muscle repairing macro. Uh, try to if you want to take creatine, three to five grams can help. Try to get proper sleep. So you need to recharge, but maybe leave longer gaps between your sessions. Maybe train Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and give longer gaps between your days, and that could help you on that. The next one is how important is fiber? I've managed to hit all other ranges without trying, but my fiber is nowhere near. I do tend to have bread most days and buy white sourdough from a local bakery, but wondering if wholemeal is a better option. Fiber is amazing. So what fiber tends to do is it gives us like fiber comes from vegetables, whole grain, that kind of thing. And if we've veggies, we know this from a kid, it gives us, it tends to give us minerals and vitamins. It's great for reducing bloating, uh, fiber. Really, really handy because and it's also really, really useful for keeping you full for longer. So if you think of your stomach like a plastic bag, when you have fruit and veggies, they are slower releasing in that plastic bag as they go through the stomach, okay? And they take up more space in that bag. So that's why they're slower releasing, so they keep you fuller for longer. So it's very hard to overeat a load of vegetables because it's quite filling quite quickly. It's very easy to overeat on more processed food because it's not really filling. You can get this sickly feeling, all right, but with with protein and veggies, they're really, really um, filling uh, and nutritious for that side of things. So a really simple solution, as that person has said, is switching to whole grain rather than white. There's nothing wrong with white, but whole grain is better. There's more fiber in it and it's better for your gut. So another way is if you're having oats or porridge or Greek yogurt, get some chia seeds and flax seeds and put them in. They're really, really handy. Another way you could do it is get the likes of berries or the frozen berries and put those in as well. You could just aim for a little bit more, get the frozen pack of veggies that you could have. They're actually 
better for holding on to their nutrients than the actual fresh ones. So if you think of it like fresh veg go from the ground to a shop floor, frozen veg go from the ground to a refrigerator to a refrigerator and the nutrients get hold. But they're also cheaper. And also you can get the multi-packs so you can get a better range into your gut microbiome. So the thing called a gut-brain axis, if the gut is happy, the head is happy. Have you ever felt when you're sluggish, your brain doesn't really function? That's the reason why. Um, so chia seeds, flax seeds, whole grain, berries, fruits, veggies are really, really helpful for that. Like, Would I recommend getting the likes of some of these supplements that are out there? probably not like you can get it from vegetables there's like these green bulk powders it is one that's promoted on a very popular podcast over in the uk that we probably all listen to but he has investments in it so of course he's going to promote it um so i'd rather you get it from the likes of veggies so a, a really useful way to get it is get the majority of it in with your breakfast so try like if you're having greek yogurt Throw a lot of berries, cheese, and flax seeds. You've probably got about 10, 15 grams of vegetables in there already, or sorry, fiber then already. If you're having with your dinner, if you're having one portion of veggie with your dinner, so maybe broccoli, add in something else into that and make that a, a on your consistency calendar that I've spoken about and tick that off. But there's no point in trying to do all of what I've just said. That's what most people will try to do is they'll get so overwhelmed by trying to do it all. Pick one thing that you're going to focus on. That's why in week one, I all just fo- I just want you to focus on the getting your head around the weekly calorie average. And I can see that the results and the change that are happening after week one are huge. The second thing that second week we generally focus on trying to make sure you're getting enough protein. Third week we generally try to get you make sure that you're getting enough fiber. So generally, a really decent range of fiber is anywhere between twenty grams a day to 35 grams a day and i know someone's going to freak out saying i am nowhere near that but what a simple solution is get chia seeds get flax seeds get kiwis with the skin on i know it sounds minging but it does it it does taste like a it does taste like a badger i'm not gonna lie but it does help uh with, with your fiber spuds are great as well um as well to kind of keep you full as well um whole grain options chia seeds flax seeds um that that will help you there um on the whole grains so of whole grain pasta whole grain rice um and then the option of the whole grain bread if you want to go down it i'm not saying sourdough is bad i'm not saying any of that kind of stuff but it can help or else what i find really useful is if you're making like curries or bolognese or any of that kind of stuff get like a bag of spinach throw a load of veggies into extra into it that's a really, really useful way to fluff it up. So they're really useful for fluffing up your fiber really, really quickly. Because especially if you've got kids and you've got fussy eaters, sometimes it can be useful just to throw it in because they're not really going to taste what's going on. Some kids will notice, some kids won't notice. Um, there's some dietitians kind of say it's not really useful to do that to kids, but some dietitians will say it's okay to do it. Depends on the actual where you stand everyone has an opinion on everything you can't really do anything these days um so chia seeds flax seeds kiwis more veggies frozen veg whole grains would be where i would recommend so the last question we have is mad week and i have my period so i'll go back to the fiber piece fiber is really really useful for going to the bathroom 
it's really really to keep you going to, to keep you regular so sometimes what can happen for you not going to the bathroom around the time of your month some people may be like that's me and what's a useful metric to base things off if you're going check what your normal rate is if you're going to the bathroom over every two days you probably need to either increase your water or increase your vegetables or both okay if you're going once a day happy days if you're going twice a, or if you're going twice a day happy days you're going three times a day and that's normal for you there might be just you might have ibs or you might be super stressed or you might be drinking too much caffeine or might be chewing gum whatever it may be um but what I'm trying to say is in relation to fiber and your menstrual cycle. So coming up towards the time of the month, you might feel a little bit more bloated and it might take a little bit more time for your digestion to actually work and for you to transit your poo out. So if you're struggling to go to the bathroom around the time of your month, it's a sign you're not getting enough water and vegetables in. So the only way to get rid of your old cycle is to poo it out so it's kind of like a snake skin it sheds off the the cycle sheds on the lining sheds and then you poo that out so if you're having uncomfortable cycles you're not going to the bathroom enough and you're feeling really bloated and you're not going to the bathroom part that some of it may be down to that excess estrogen that you're not pooing out going being pumped right back into the body and that can cause irritable moods headaches and may cause issues down the line if it's a case so fiber on your menstrual cycle is huge keeps you fuller for longer gives you mineral minerals makes you happier reduces bloating all these kind of different things as well um so um another question if you don't mind is it okay to have breakfast till three quarters or hour after waking i usually have black coffee around 7 a.m uh get child's trimolder and work and could be 10 a.m before i eat a big deal no i don't really have breakfast at about half 10 in the morning uh i just i'm just not hungry sometimes when people say they're not hungry in the mornings and they're having like three coffees beforehand coffee suppresses your appetite so no wonder you're not hungry but if that's all you can do and that works with your schedule by all means continue um but make sure that you're getting a decent breakfast into you making sure you're getting trying to get some maybe some protein into it, making sure you get some carbs into it because carbs give you energy. Your body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrates. So if you don't give your body carbohydrates, that's where the cravings come in. That's where the brain fog comes in. That's where the mental fatigue comes in. Like if I actually showed you a picture right now of how much, how many carbohydrates your brain needs to function, you'd be really surprised. About a third of a loaf of bread. Your, that's how many carbs your need, your body needs or your brain needs to just to function. You ever notice when you don't have carbs you start to fall asleep or if you get all this brain fog or else you have too many carbs on christmas day you start to fall asleep on the other extreme so it's somewhere somewhere in the middle where your carbohydrates carbohydrates are great if i didn't have carbohydrates i wouldn't be able to play football that's the truth carbohydrates aren't bad they don't make you fat they don't don't worry about insulin resistance because car calories in calories out overrides that straight away if you're going through perimenopause there's no evidence to say that reducing it can aid it, but I've seen from clients it can help, but I'm, there's no evidence to say that it definitely will. There's no definitive link because the research with perimenopause is such a new topic, even though 
we've had people going through it for centuries, but the research is only coming out with at about now. Um, so if you're eating at 10 a.m., work away. If that works for your routine, it's whatever works for your routine. Like if you're training faster in the morning and that works for your routine, grand. Um, I know there's research out there from some people um, that say don't train fast in the morning. It's personal preference. It's normal. If you see a sensations headline, it's normally somewhere in the middle is the answer. I know there was something recently in the papers last week about salt and stuff. It's normally somewhere in the middle. Um, So last question is, if there's any questions before we finish up, we've got a little bit more time before I, um, after I finish this question. So please do send in the messages. Uh, this week, mad week, I had my period starting. It has me absolutely wrecked. I'm gone beyond tired. Thank God, no more late night this week. Any tips for boosting energy? Do I train when knackered? So, what essentially happens around this the cycle? And everyone's is going to be different. This is why it's really, really important to track it. If you have an app called Clue or Kindara or a good old fashioned pen and paper. Or natural cycles is really useful. If you're looking to get pregnant, natural cycles is a thermometer. And around ovulation, your body temperature will go up by about 0.3 to 0.6 degrees. And there'll be normally an eggy white discharge in your pants sometimes. Uh, that's generally a sign you're ovulating. And if you're in that fertile window, that's where you get that's where you can get pregnant. If you're having sex outside that window, you as Ashling O'Kelly would say, you might as well be having sex with a door handle. You're not going to get pregnant. Um so with the menstrual cycle, it's normally split into two phases or two main phases. Um, the first half of the cycle, which is day one, is your cycle, is your when the period starts. First half of that cycle might be where you have more energy and are ready to take on the world. Second half of that cycle is where you may be, maybe where you find a little bit that you're a little bit more fatigued. Okay. Um, so you may, if you track your cycle, you'll see where, which type of person you are. So you might be like, I'm ready to take on the world in the first half of the cycle. I need to take a little bit. I need to go into like hibernation in the second half of the cycle. And you don't feel like you can train that hard in the second half cycle. That's okay. Okay. So generally the first half of the cycle is where you may need to be like right push your sessions here you might meet you might have a little bit more energy this is where you get your pbs in the gym this is where you're ready to take on the world second half of the cycle you might need that little bit more food those things like pms cravings might creep in so essentially what is happening is your metabolism speeds up in the second half of that cycle so essentially for the first half of the cycle your body's going at about 80 kilometers an hour in your car Petrol burning, fine, all good. Second half of the cycle, your car or your body is going about 120 kilometers an hour. And when we go 120 kilometers an hour, our body needs or the car needs more petrol or needs more fuel or electricity, whatever car you have. That's essentially what happens around the stage of your cycle. So the best way to navigate that is track your cycle, see what kind of person you are. And generally there's a recommendation of about 300 extra calories. You might need more, you might need less. So if you're on 1,800 to 2,000 calories, bring it up on those weeks to, to 2,100 to 2,300. If you're on 16 to 1,800, bring it up to 19 to 2,100. And that could be the difference for you to navigate that. Okay. You might not have those fluctuations as high if you're on the pill 
because they're not your natural hormones. They're man-made hormones or synthetic hormones. Okay, so then they're not your natural estrogen and progesterone. They're estrogen or estradiol and uh, progestin. They're not going to have those natural spikes that you would have if you were having your normal cycle. Um, so track your cycle, see where you're at. If it, you might be all fine throughout the whole month. I've had clients be grand the whole month. I've had clients who literally just focus on going for a walk or who, in, who are in severe pain with cramps at the time of the month. So all we focus on is recovery for those two or three days where they have that, making sure they're getting enough food. And some people, their appetite will go through the roof. Other people will be, I can't eat anything. So if you can't eat anything, making sure you're getting like smoothies in, that can really be helpful. Um, so that's a great way to get your, your fiber in, your chia seeds, your flax seeds, your berries, your protein yogurt, or your whey into those. That's a really handy way. And you can sip on it. So bring up your calories, bring up your protein, uh, bring up your pro calories by about 300. And if you need more, by all means do it. But they're generally the recommendations around it. If you're absolutely knackered, if you're anything below kind of a, I would normally say if you're a five out of 10 and below, I would say you're probably need to rest. Um, I would say you probably need to rest. It's either you're not sleeping, you're stressed, or you're at that stage of your cycle. So maybe just focus on getting regular meals in. Maybe just focus on going for a walk and see what you can do and maybe come back to it when you uh, are feeling a little bit better. Uh, after that so that might help um okay regarding the tracker how come my calories is just 1600 there should be a range of about 16 to 1800 calories um so it's normally based off your weight and your activity levels that's generally what it's off so generally recommendation of how to count your calories would be if you take your body weight in kg and you multiply it by 22 for a woman and 24 for a man, that will give you your calories that you just need to exist. Okay. So if you did nothing and I just sat here all day, I'm still burning calories by blinking, by talking, by moving my hands. So I'm still burning calories. So that will be just to exist. And then you need to take into account your activity levels. So the general ranges are about 1.1, which is your, your desk bound, you're not doing a whole lot, and 1.8, which is generally you're either a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a construction worker, you're a teacher on your feet all day, and that's where you're probably doing 15,000 plus steps a day without even thinking about 16,000, 20,000, whatever it may be. So calories, kg by weight. Multiply by 22, multiply it by 1.1 to 1.8, and you'll find the calories that you need to be at maintenance. Okay. Then what you need to do is take off your calories about three to 500. Any more than that, most people are not ready for it. That should give you a, a weight loss on average of about half a pound to a pound a week once your adherence levels are over 70 or 80% on average a week. Um, so, that's how to calculate it. Um, there's loads of different calorie calculators out there. You might get different ranges. You might just get different numbers. But there's different, like this Harris-Benedict, which is the old school one. 
Um, it's too complicated. The sum just hurts my head. It's like the guy in the hangover doing the poker. Like just, it's just hurts your head. Like it's too long and I'm not very good at maths. So that's the easiest way is the body weight in kg multiplied by 22, multiplied by activity levels minus 300 to 500. That's generally how you do it. Um, so what I'll do is I'll have a look at your calories afterwards and I'll, I'll, um, I'll update it if it needs be, but generally what we try to do with the first week is see where people are at the first week and then we make amendments from there. Um, cause I know there's, there's one or two things that need to be tweaked in that, that the, on the sheet anyway. So I'll have a look at the calories afterwards and kind of take them there because my job here is to make sure you're eating as much as possible rather than trying to survive on, um, trocra calories on math. That's not my job. Um, so there was another question in here. Um, so I will turn off the recording now.